What is up, everybody? <laughs> no, it's not, Harry. No, it's not. Uh, one half of Generation Orange here tonight. Uh, definitely live, for sure. Uh, my chair legit folded in half on me. Uh, and it was a good chair. <laughs> it was a very good chair. It was, uh, it was a gamer-style chair. Uh, it was very comfortable. And uh, so pay your respects in chat with a nice F. F in chat. Pay your respects. Uh, no, seriously, though. Uh, welcome, everybody. Mark, what the hell? <laughs> How are you going to be in chat but not actually join the show? Uh, no, Mark's uh, Mark's busy, I'm guessing. I'm hoping. Uh, and apparently I'm not. I have no life. Hashtag COVID 2021. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, tonight we're going to talk about uh, MLS Superdraft. Uh, that happened after uh, the show last week on Wednesday. Uh, they had the draft on Thursday. And uh, it definitely put a smile on my face uh, that the exact scenarios that we discussed on the show essentially happened. Um, and uh, it was it was pretty awesome to watch, you know, to kind of see it, not see it, but to kind of follow along as it happened. Uh, for those that don't know, Thursday last week was our big, uh, for work, one of our big uh, annual events that we have. And uh, so my attention was fully on that, uh, had my phone out occasionally when I was not being watched and uh, admittedly tuned in where I could, uh, as I could, even if it was via Discord following people sharing uh, what picks were being made. Uh, and it was pretty cool to, to kind of sit there and watch as, uh, you know, rumors of Dynamo trading, Dynamo trading right before the draft, going down to uh, the number eight pick. Um and then uh, our number six pick, sorry, the number six pick, uh, and then turning around and still getting the guy that they wanted and ultimately using that money that they acquired uh, in that in moving down to get a player that they wanted uh, from another club. Uh, really impressive stuff, really well done by both uh, Tab and Matt Jordan. And, and you know, look, <laughs> I got a lot of flack last week, not going to lie, a, a whole lot of flack last week for... Um, for, you know, basically throwing my hat a little bit behind Matt Jordan uh, and saying, you know, if this is what Matt Jordan is now, uh, as soon as I said Matt Jordan, we lost somebody. It must have been Mark. Uh, but and uh, in, in saying, you know, if this is the Matt Jordan that we get and we have him for a year, um, I, not only can I tolerate that, um, but I'm starting to see where Matt can really be a, a decent GM uh, linked with a coach like Tab that is able to dictate exactly who he wants, where, you know, and how, uh, who he wants and kind of the value he associates with that player. And I'll be honest, I don't think other coaches that have been here um, under the Matt Jordan tenure um, have had that capability. Um, you know, Owen Coyle was not that kind of coach. Um, you know, he, he has always kind of had somebody to handle, uh, you know, selecting the personnel for him uh, everywhere he's gone. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, following him, Wilmer Cabrera, uh, that's not his style. Um, he may pick his players, but, uh, he doesn't really totally honest. He really has no ideas to the value of players. Uh, and then he's just not a player's coach as much as people, you know, prodded or put out there that he was, uh, it, had, it has become very clear. He was not, uh, there, you know, players across the league, uh, consistently said that, uh, they would not want to play for him. Uh, if given the chance they would play for any other coach, but him. Uh, he was basically the most hated coach in MLS. Um, but with all that said, <laughs> welcome to the show. It is extremely unique to be 
uh, to be streaming by myself, essentially. Uh, I say by myself, but I always have Nest kind of at an arm's reach, I suppose. But uh, the only audio I get to hear this week is my own voice. Uh, the sultry sounds of Sean in the late evening. Uh, they make it very difficult to go a full hour, not going to lie. Uh, the more you guys interact and chat, the uh, quicker this will go for me, the less painful this will be, uh, and uh, the sooner I can go and uh, go and uh, turn on some uh, some wrestling and go watch me some AEW uh, once this show is over. So uh, if anybody follows AEW, hit me up. Let me know. Love that freaking promotion. Uh, so let's see. Mark didn't do a poll this week. Slacker number one. Uh, fail on Mark. Uh, epic fail on Mark, actually, because uh, I tout that he's always going to have a poll and then failed me. No, I'm just kidding. Mark's been busy. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, in tribute to Mark, even though it's not uh, it's not properly branded, I uh, I am drinking tonight, uh, mostly for my back's benefit. But this is a, uh, it's a fruity, hazy, haze juice from Eureka Heights. Um Oh, Harry. Oh, Harry. I could. Oh, boy. You and me. I <laughs> let me let me phrase it this way for you, Harry. You are definitely a San Antonio guy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm mic drop. Just leave it at that. Uh, so Mark says Wilmer's a winner. So I'm going to I'm going to counter that argument. Uh, Wilmer is kind of like Owen Coyle at this point, um, with the exception of Wilmer actually had some success when he was here. And to be fair, I think that was because we gave him the extra year uh, or extra couple of years. Whereas I think with coil coil was just kind of done, didn't done and didn't want to see things progress any further than it did. Uh, yeah, it's U S open cup, not Canadian. Cha- oh, well, I guess he did win the Canadian championship when he was with Montreal, but let's be real. That's like compete a competition of four teams. I mean, that's the equivalent of, I mean, technically he won a sil- uh what is it? The, he won El Capitan one year when he was down here. Uh, and, and the rumor and the reason why Wilmer's being, being brought up and the reason I brought it up to begin with is the rumor of Wilmer being one of the final candidates for the RGV Toros job, uh, head coach job. Now that, uh, now that they've let, uh, uh, uh Gerson Echeverry leave, which makes me laugh because, and, and you know, and I, I follow some, some, some RGV folks and there's a number of them that are concerned that his name is being touted. Uh, out there as a as a possible hire uh, for uh, RGV, you know, RGV has claimed their independence from the Dynamo, and for all the talk about that, uh, it, it's interesting to me to to watch the change in attitude very quickly of certain individuals. Of we've got to have independence, we've got to have it now. It's clear Dynamo are holding us back to. Now you're starting to see some people going, oh, shit, maybe this is actually the club we really have. Um, You know, and I said it last week, you know, and I'm not trying to deter any RGV fans that are watching or that may have been watching that just left because I basically blasted RGV. But I said it in tweets and I said, you know, and this was three or four weeks ago. I said, you know, be very careful what you wish for. And I've said it before to RGV fans. I said, be very careful what you wish for when it comes to independence. Um, You know, and and it has nothing to do with... uh, uh, Kantu. It has nothing to do with um, with the organization down there. Uh, the front office, I, you know, Ron Patel is a incredibly you know smart and intelligent individual. Um, but I, I think you have to keep in mind, Kantu's not a soccer guy. You know, he's he's not a he's not a soccer businessman. He's he's very much the 
USL's version of Gabriel Brenner. Um, and that's going to sting some RGV people to hear, but that's the truth. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I continue to wait. I hope I'm proven wrong. But so far, the crickets coming out of RGV, the fan discontent uh, at the lack of any movement on a head coach, um, uh, is uh, it 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 makes me just take a step back again and say, "Careful what you wish for." And I tell that to everybody: careful what you wish for. You know, we we I think as fans have a tendency to view. When we're when we're we we are supporting a struggling team, we tend to view any option other than what we have as a, you know, as a vertical movement up. Uh, and the reality is, it may not be a vertical move up. It may just be a lateral move to a different side. Um, what's up, parts unknown? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the statements being said, they're, they're true. They're not wrong. He's the greatest coach in RGV history. Yeah, Wilmer is, absolutely. They've had two head coaches try again. Um, uh, Harry says, I think you're going to be on the wrong side of this one. I think RGV is going to do okay. Thank you, Harry, for being that counterpoint to me since Mark's not here this week to to be that counter guy. I counter with da 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 um, I appreciate that devil's advocate, or, you know, if you genuinely believe that, uh, probably should be drinking less beer than me. Um no kidding. Come on, Harry. Hmm. By the way, this is a very good beer. It's a very good beer. Highly recommend it. Uh, picked up a ca- uh, picked up a case. Picked up a six pack on Friday, or actually Saturday. Um. But yeah, so let's focus on Wilmer for a second. Let's talk about Wilmer. Wilmer just just you know he went to Montreal Impact. He couldn't survive there. He ended up going to Barcelona Academy. Couldn't survive there. Uh, and now he's being rumored and linked with a head coaching gig with the USL championship team. Um, you know, it, it just feels to me when it comes to Wilmer Cabrera that this is a coach that is on a downward trend. And I am curious to see is Wilmer Cabrera's ceiling now considered USL championship has, you know, does he, is he no longer a MLS capable coach? Um, you know, there were coaches out there. Um, he probably wasn't supposed to be a long-term option there. And Thierry Henry was definitely the right choice for them to go with. Don't get me wrong. You know, light years ahead of what Wilmer was. Um, but you know, I, I look at the situation in RGV and you had an opportunity to land a coach, um, such as the, uh, the coach, uh, out of, was it Reno, Harry? Uh, the coach out of Reno, um, a, a fantastic coach, a coach that proved to you that he's more than capable uh, of taking a team and, and building something very lasting um, and something that, that fans can be extremely proud of. Uh, and you basically whiffed because you you were, yeah, Russell, uh, yeah, Ian Russell. Uh, you basically whiffed on Ian Russell. Um, you, you basically have, have, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. You, you've whiffed on, there have been two or three other top coaches in USL that USL championship that you've missed out on. Um, and, you know, and, and somebody on Twitter, and I'm not going to name who it is, but you all know who it is from RGV specifically, uh, tweeted at me and said, they were told that the reason that, you know, that, 
the reason a coach hadn't been announced yet is because the organization couldn't move forward until the dotted line was signed by the Dynamo. Here's the problem with that. Uh, this is the soccer, you know, global soccer in a nutshell. Um, there have been articles that have come out on The Athletic. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, make sure you do. Um, that's my plug for The Athletic. I love Stam Steschkohl uh, and uh, all the other guys that, that write over there are just amazing. And it's become, a, it's become an absolute prime uh, subscription opportunity uh, to follow for any sports news, uh, let alone MLS or let alone global soccer. But... Uh, you know, they, they've they've posted articles recently in particular about how the transfer market works and how transfers actually work in the global market. And it's interesting to see that even though there are regulations and restrictions in place, you know, within the Premier League, for instance, um, teams still cannot are not supposed to reach out to the player first or reach out to the player's agent first. They're supposed to reach out to the other team and get approval from that team and, and work out the transfer details from that team before they approach the player and his agent. That doesn't happen though. Um, it, it does on very rare occasions when there's already a known relationship or a known rapport, but most of the time they reach out directly to the, the player's agent or they reach out to somebody uh, that knows the agent. Um, you know, perhaps a good example of that would be a team, you know, a, a dynamo player here, here, uh, here, uh, that has an agent that has, uh, you know, has a few clients overseas. Um, it's the equivalent of, you know, the Dynamo saying to that player, hey, can you talk to your agent and see if so-and-so might be interested in coming over here next year, you know, type of thing. Um, <laughs> it's because they don't have core values like Matt Jordan. Uh, it, I'm not even going to go there, Mark. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to grant that a, uh, a retort because it is so silly. Uh, but you know, overseas, and, and again, this is true across the global market. But uh, you know, teams reach out directly to the to the to the agents usually, or through other forms to get to the agents. They don't even reach out to the team, and that's important because in this situation, RGV know they've known for look. I'll t I'll put it out there. They've known for probably about a year, um, or at least six months. They've known for a while the Dynamo we're gonna we're gonna pull out of this and and say. You know, hey, we're we're you know we're not in a position where we're totally happy with how this is going. We know you guys are in the same situation, so we'd like to just kind of nix this while we can and move on. Um, <laughs> that is, oh boy, that is such a loaded question. Uh, from parts unknown, question was a more wor a, a worse situation in finding a head coach right now or manager, uh, RGVFC or the Texans. We, <laughs> I will answer that question here in just a second, uh, but. You know, RGV knew this was coming. It wasn't like this. Some this was something that broadsided them. What the Dynamo want to want to you know want to break this relationship and they're they're backing out of this agreement that we've had in place. Look, the Dynamo. If you had started talking to a coach, you know, a month in advance or when the season in USL Championship ended, the Dynamo weren't going to fault you for that. They weren't going to rip you a new one for that. You know, it, it's <laughs> Eric Bieniemy to coach RGV. Yeah, there you go. Uh, still would be a better hire than Wilmer Cabrera in my opinion. Um, at least he could get players to actually play right on the pitch. Uh, I, I, I struggle to believe what, what they've put out there from RGV that they couldn't start the process until the dynamo signed the dotted line. I don't think that's true at all. I, I don't, there, there's no reason to believe that. I think honestly, you had the holidays, you had COVID going on, you have a lot of remote work going on. Um, they've got a smaller staff right now than they did before COVID, um, and, and the season, you know, it was the off season. So things move a lot slower in the off season. Hey, it, you know, there is no reason for RGV's front office to 
sugarcoat that they were delayed because of things that the dy- trying to throw the dynamo under the bus on that one to me is such a horrible cop out. And it is completely what I expect at this point from an organization like RGV. And again, I hope RGV are successful. I hope they prove me wrong. But right now, they are proving me absolutely 100% right. And, you know, and I I don't want to call out specific people, but if you're going to sit there and tell me that you're on board with the change and then a week later you're putting it out there that you're kind of starting to get skeptical and then another week later that you're starting to get worried. Hey, guess what? I called it out three, four weeks ago. I called this out when they announced this was going to happen. I was willing to put it out there, and and I got ripped a new one by a few people for saying it. Like, hey, this is a, Harry's a good example. Hey, this is exactly what RGV need. Sure it is. If RGV were were a an organization capable of taking matters into their own hands. But what we're seeing is an organization that has learned how to operate from an organization that doesn't know how to operate, right? Everybody knows the Dynamo has struggled the last how many years? Where have RGV learned how to operate the Dynamo? They didn't come in with their own understanding of how to operate within USL Championship. If they did, why'd they sign the agreement to begin with? And Ron Patel, great, great hire, However, look at how he's operating right now. Continues to use the Dynamo as a crutch, saying this is the reason we struggle. This is the reason we can't do X, Y, Z. This is the reason we're so slow in getting this handled. Fact is, I don't think Contu has as much money available as people think. I don't think they've offered nearly as much as other teams are willing to offer to a head coach right now. And I think they're willing to wait. From an RGV perspective, they're willing to wait until, until closer to the season because they know they can get a coach cheaper that way. And that's great from a business perspective. From a sports business perspective, that is dumb. That is the worst, absolute worst thing you can do. Because what happens? Now your coach is scrambling to try to sign players. You're going to end up with the first half of the season being a complete wash. Um, they already they have how many players signed to their roster right now? Six? Seven, maybe, if they're lucky? Seven? Um, I, I get that, Harry, and Harry says I'd rather have RGV get it right if it takes a week or two longer. That's fine, but that's not how a championship organization works. They don't spend eight weeks trying to find a freaking coach. They have a coach already in mind. Look, RGV should have had their list of coaches narrowed down before that. They should have scheduled interviews for as soon as the Dynamo signed the dotted line. They should have been moving the pro- you know the progress line along. Instead, they're dragging their feet. Again, I think it comes down to RGV don't have as much money to put out there for a, a, a higher-level coach, and they're going to have to settle for whatever they can get. And I hope that they're getting some kind of discount with Wilmer because if Wilmer's your best coach that you can put forward, I'm sorry, RGV fans, but you are in for a world of hurt this coming season. It is not going to be a great season in, in RGV. Um and Wilmer will not have the same resources he had with, with the Dynamo where he was able to bring in Dynamo players or have Dynamo players handed to him. Um, I'm, I'm a little animated today. I, I am, Pat, and, and it's not the Dynamo's fault, oddly enough. Um, I, you're not wrong, Harry, but again, that's another reason they needed to be ahead of the curve instead of behind it, right? Harry says, I agree, it's taking longer than anticipated, but let's also be honest. RGV is not exactly a prime location. That's why you have to be on the ball. That's why you have to be the organization that is out there saying, hey, do we have a chance? 
Hey, are you interested whatsoever? Hey, we've got an opportunity. We're, we're working on this kind of change and shift in how we operate. Here's your chance to, you know, it's all in how you market the opportunity. I guarantee you there were coaches available that would have taken that opportunity if they had been sooner to the punch. There are coaches that would have loved that opportunity if they were quicker to the punch. They were just too slow about it. They were willing to drag their feet because they felt that was the best approach. It was good to be it was good to be slow so they could find the right guy. That's what you're saying. There's nothing wrong with that approach except in this posi- in this situation where let's say they let's say they do hire Wilmer Cabrera. If he tanks and he's an absolute crapshoot in this first season, are fans going to stick around? They're already not happy with this organization. Yeah, they're not bringing in Frank Lampard. They can't afford Frank Lampard. Um, you know, but but are fans going to stick around? Look, it, it's a it, it's a worse situation in RGV from a fan perspective than it was than it is in with a Dynamo. The Dynamo have made moves. Look, everybody you know everybody hated on the rebrand, but it was good that they did it before, kind of at at the very end of last season, because it gave time for it to kind of you know kind of settle in. They've also now made a bunch of moves that actually are getting attention in a very positive way. They've been very proactive this offseason. You're not wrong, Harry, but this is not going to help. It's continuing to not help. It's going to continue to make the, the first part of that season a struggle. Um, and, and look, if I'm a player, um, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a high, high talent player in the USL championship that thinks I have a, a chance at MLS, am I going to go to RGV right now? They don't have a coach yet at this point uh you know and they can't be targeting players at this point other than players that have already played with them um uh mark that's a really good question i guess we're finding out now were they really fans of rgv or were they dynamo fans that actually just happened to live in the valley uh i i'd love to find out the answer to that question and i think we will this year i think it'll become abundantly clear oh that's even better fans of league mx uh yeah harry that's absolutely right uh, obviously the Valley, huge Liga MX, uh, followings there, Monterey, uh, Tigres, P- uh, Pachuca, um, uh, P- uh, uh, yeah, Pumas, uh, you know, other, other teams as well. Uh, Club Tijuana, <laughs> Miguel Herrera is available. I mean, look, Hey, I better than Wilmer Cabrera in my opinion, at least. And, and definitely a coach that the fan base down there would get excited about. I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, Parks and Nun says, I do feel bad for the supporters in, in Brownsville, Hidalgo, and other areas, uh, towns in that area. I, I agree with you. I think they've gotten the short end of the stick for so long, and then this, their organization finally getting that independence and them getting a little bit of excitement around that, and then basically nothing after that for, what are we at, eight weeks now? Okay, it hasn't been that long, but it sure as hell feels like it. Um, <laughs> I think that's a huge overstate, overestimation of the Dynamo reach. If that's an idea of the people going to those games. No, I think that's fair, Kenny. Um, and Harry says RGV's on the clock because USL announced May 1st as the starting time. Speaking of, I'm glad you brought that up, Harry. So uh, USL Championship uh, is slated to start May 1st. Hey, thanks for following, Waco. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, so USL Championship starts May 1st, um, and they are officially starting May 1st. MLS released earlier this week that they are going to start uh, preseason February 22nd, and they're going to start the season April 3rd. But before you get your hopes up, before you go mark down the schedule, uh, it also came out today, and I've said this for a while as well. I've said this for the last two weeks. There is no CBA 
uh, currently uh, agreed to. There is no agreement in place between the between MLS and MLS Players Association, and it looks increasingly likely. In fact, it came out today uh, via the Athletic that uh, MLS Players or MLS released a memo uh, via Don Garber uh, to teams to start preparing for the very strong possibility of a work stoppage. Um, that's huge. Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, MLS is going to survive it. There's no doubt about that. But they can't afford for it to go on for too long. And I suspect we see the owners cave a lot sooner than we do the players because the players have all the leverage right now. Um, they're basically being handed a really shitty situation, and the owners are trying to make it worse. Um, yeah, no. The, the CBA that was in agreement would have started last season and it would have included last season in, in gradual increases in spending and gradual increases in in uh, in, in, in salary uh, salary caps and in the minimum salaries. And instead, MLS came back and said, "No, we want to pay you what we paid you in 2019, two years later, uh, and we want to keep the same the same thing in place for another two years after that, all the way through 2023." And the problem with that is, is that. MLS just agreed to this new CBA for 2020. Uh, for 2020. Uh, they agreed to that CBA right before the 2020 season kicked off. And uh, Garber is out there, you know, shouting from the rooftops that we've lost a million, a billion dollars in revenue. Well, that's great. But I think to Stan Steskel's point, uh, Steskel's point uh, on from The Athletic, he wrote an article about it this week, uh, came out, I think, Monday. Uh, to his point, you know, you could sit there and shout that for actually, I think it came out Tuesday. Uh, you could shout that from the rooftops, but if we go look at the actual uh, valuations of these owners across MLS, more of them gained value during COVID than lost value during COVID. Um, yeah, but they had to. The force majeure was necessary. It was not necessary for MLS to invoke it. It was horrible for MLS to invoke it. And in fact, it says a lot about MLS's plans. MLS are trying to push... Um, are, are trying to push that they're losing enough money that it doesn't make sense for them to keep the same CBA the way it was. They need to push it back a few years. What they're really trying to do, and and, and uh, Harry kind of pointed to the two, new TV deal, there's broadcast rights that come up for renewal uh, in 2024, effectively. or tw Is it 2022 or 2024? Uh, Kenny will know the answer to that question. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm, very, I, I'm very certain that the reason they're pushing back as far as they are on on trying to inject all this extra money is because they want to get that broadcast money in first and they want to control it. They don't want to give the players an opportunity to uh you know to really negotiate for that. And right now, they are locking the players out of having any chance to negotiate for any of that money around that time. So it's after the 2022 season. Yeah, and MLS wants to carry it through the 2023 season. MLS is basically saying we lost a billion dollars we know we're probably going to lose a little bit more money this uh, this particular season. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to basically absorb $20 million per season. $20 million. They've lost a billion. They're going to absorb $20 million uh, based on the, the salary differences from 2021 and 2022 uh, and even 2023. And we're going to push the, the new CBA to not start until 2024. Um, so we're going to absorb $20 million per year for four years, $80 million total. Uh, in exchange for hundreds of millions, if not closer to a billion dollars, if not billions, of dollars of revenue from a broadcast deal that the players will have no chance to reap the benefits of. 
This is ownership across the league trying to push this narrative that we are in such dire straits as owners, as multi-millionaires, and in some cases billionaires with Arthur Blank, that we can't afford to go ahead and spend that $20 million extra per year. Um, and, and again, even to Harry's point, this is an, a World Cup uh, TV contract, too, because... 2026 is four years after the new after the new deal should technically start. Uh, Twenty three years after the new deal should start. Um, yes, ML, MLS is still very much linked directly at the hip with some, and that tells you everything you need to know. For those that don't know about some, some is basically the equivalent of um, of uh, 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 of the financier of MLS uh, as a single entity league, um, and, and very much a, a financier of USSF. Uh, some. Every MLS team, the expansion fees that MLS teams pay to get into the league now, the 300 million, 400 millions, look, that, that's not just to, to have their team in MLS. It's so that the ownership group that they're bringing in that's going to be part of that team can have a piece of that sum pie. Because sum makes an absolute atrocious amount of money on those damn broadcast rights. And it's a shame because none of that money goes back to the players. That is the travesty in all, that, all of this. Um... Look, the, the players shouldn't have had the force majeure added in uh, in June when they had to kind of agree to it. But uh, on the flip side of that, Harry, they they were in a situation where they were away from families for how long? Um, you, you know, they were they were away from their families. They were you know taking part in that stupid preseason. I call, call it stupid. And MLS is back tournament. You know, they were just trying to get the season underway. And I guarantee you that Don Garber and his legal team were pushing the idea that, hey, guys, we're only including this in in the event that, that revenue is a complete trash trash dump. We don't have enough to cover salaries. It's the only reason it's here. It, we're, it's here in case you know we can't rec- recover any of the loss. And the players said, look, in, in, in good faith, we are going to give you this opportunity to have this in there, this language in there. You're absolutely right. 100%. That's exactly how it is. They, the players agreed to it because they were looking at the short term. MLS owners were looking at the long term. Look, MLS owners had a good idea come June that this COVID lockout thing was not just going to go away overnight. Um, it had been here for, for, you know, for four or five, six months at that point. It wasn't just going to disappear. And it, they knew it was going to affect games in 2021, regardless of what they wanted to say. They knew there was a very high likelihood that 2021 season was going to be if not delayed, at least going to be very minimal fan attendance for at least the first good portion of it, even if a vaccine came out. Look, they they weighed all of these things in that process, and the players didn't because the players, you know, they didn't, I don't think the players really understood what was at stake. And to the players' credit, look, they, they've gone on record and they've said, MLS pushed this through in a way that we didn't even get a chance to review it. They were basically, players were basically handed this in terms from their from their representatives of the Players Association while players were not even in the States for the most part and told just sign it and just agree to it so we can start the season. That's exactly how this all went down. Look, the, the owners know exactly what they're doing. It is what it is. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, <laughs> some is evil for non MLS fans. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Kenny notes, it's worth noting that some didn't have any money to make off of summer friendlies, league cups, leagues cup or world cup qualifier games. Uh, not to cry poor for the owner, but it is something to consider. Sure, they yeah they they didn't, but and, and I think that's probably where that one billion valuation that that Don Garber says in terms of losing revenue for the league comes from. But that shouldn't be counted in terms of 
uh, in terms of the MLS CBA. It shouldn't because some is not part of MLS. It's part and parcel, but it is not part of MLS. Some's failure to protect themselves or to figure out a way to make those things happen in spite of what was going on is kind of their own fault. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it is, it is as much the league trying to cover their butts from an ownership perspective and trying not to lower the valuations of their teams as it is anything else. MLS knows they've got two teams that are currently essentially for sale in RSL and Houston. And uh, MLS knows that they need to get these two franchises sold. There's very likely going to be a third one in the very near future, maybe even a fourth one. And they know they need those valuations to be as high as possible to bring in ownership that's going to continue to invest in the league. If valuations start to tank, your quality of ownership goes significantly down. And we don't want to see a I mean, look. You could we could end up with an owner that's worse than Brenner that has few you know fewer dollars to spend. Uh, and to Mark's point, look, valuations for MLS teams right now are extremely off kilter. Um, MLS teams are valued more than some Premier League teams, and that's absurd to me. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with those with that some the some you know the the market share of some, uh, because that is tied to being an owner in MLS. Um, so, so to Harry's question, do you think RSL heads to Vegas? Have heard rumors that it's being looked at, basically another Austin clause. Um, I kind of do think that's possible because if you look at what happened with uh, with um, Salt Lake, uh, the Utah Royals moving to Kansas City, I, I think we could very much see RSL move uh, move locations, and I think they could head to Vegas. I think that's a prime location right now, and there's plenty of owners that would love that. Um, and there's no clause that I'm aware of in in the RSL stadium deal that says that they can't move the team. Uh, and and look, that stadium is going to be you know it's going to be a U.S women's and men's national team venue for the next four or five years until until uh, Salt Lake can end up with a MLS club again, or at least a USL uh, championship club. Uh, you say that, Mark, they don't lower teams on the lower end of that premier league spectrum. Don't get nearly as much as you think. Um, it's really the top 10 to, to 12 teams that actually walk away with money. That's, you know, Considering what they spend on players, anyways. Uh, Harry says MLS wants to get into the betting market, and Vegas is where they need to be. I mean, yeah, it, I mean it's a clear link, right? It makes it easy. Uh, NFL just did it, so why wouldn't uh, why wouldn't MLS consider it as an opportunity? And there's obviously a venue in Vegas right now that's ready for an MLS club to kind of participate, if you will. Um, uh, you know, again, I guess we'll see what happens. It's another one of those we get to kind of wait and see how things shake out, but. I'm interested. There's a lot of things like that right now that are just super, super worth following from a from a, you know, from a fan standpoint of trying to educate ourselves a little bit. Um, so enough on broadcast rights, enough on the evils that are owners, uh, ownership and MLS, enough on RGV struggles, uh, enough of that stuff. What I want to talk about is the super draft and the super draft and the week that the Houston Dynamo had uh, this past week. Um, we talked last week about acquiring Tim Parker and what they gave up and basically in just allocation money in an international slot. Um, we talked about uh, how there were rumors at the time of the Dynamo trade, you know, trying to trade out of the third, uh, the third pick. Uh, and I brought it up and Mark brought it up. You know, what if you can swap that pick for a little bit of money 
Uh, and then, you know, come on Thursday, the Dynamo did exactly that. They swapped down to sixth, as I mentioned. Uh, or no, it was, I think they swapped down to eighth. Someone could correct me in the, in the chat, but they swapped down a few positions and they still ended up getting the player that they wanted. Uh, and they ended up acquiring, um, oh, it starts with a D. Uh, uh, someone in chat remind me who I'm talking about. Uh, who was the player we acquired from uh, Nashville? Uh, what's his name? Derek Jones. Thank you. I was like, I knew it started with a D. DJ Derek Jones. Uh, look, he's not a he, he's not a top tier talent. He's not going to be a you know lights out MLS you know uh, midfield uh, player, but he's a player Tab's familiar with. Uh, he's a he's a player that doesn't take up an international slot. Uh, <laughs> shut up, Mark. Uh, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna give that the uh, the the visibility it probably deserves, but it was good. Uh, but Derek Jones is a player that can help the Dynamo. Look, this season, whenever it begins, whenever it happens, you're gonna need depth. You're gonna need lots of it. Uh, you're gonna need players across all positions to be able to step up and play. And Derek Jones is 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 to some degree, at least compared to some of our depth, he's an upgrade. Again, you already brought in Joe Corona, so you've already brought in another central midfielder. Um, and, uh, you already had Vera, you already had Seren, you already have potentially Boney on his way back as well. From what I've heard from rumors, uh, look, and you bring in Derek Jones, you're just solidifying that rotation right there in the middle of the pitch. Uh, and and Derek Jones is kind of a taller guy. Um, he's a physical presence in that, in that, uh, you know, midfielder role, central midfielder role. And what's even better about this is basically we got, for 250000 in allocation money that, again, we got by simply moving down in the draft, uh, we got a guy that is a replacement, almost a, a like-for-like like in some ways, to Wilfred Zahibo, uh, who was not what the Dynamo were hoping for last season. And it's a guy that doesn't take up an international slot to boot. And it's a guy that Tab has familiarity with on top of that. Uh, perfect opportunity for Derek Jones. He's going to be given the chance to compete. Um, I, I, I don't think he plays a, a, a defensive mid position. I think he's more likely to play like the true central mid, um, you know, that, uh, kind of, uh, that kind of six or, or, uh, eight, if you will. Uh, yeah, the eight, he's going to play that eight role right in the central and midfield, and he's going to be another pivot point. Uh, and he's going to be a guy that's expected to help kill off some attacks, but also help, help get into, into the offensive third when necessary. Uh, and I think he's a player that can do that, especially in Tab's system. He knows what Tab expects of him coming in. Uh, I think it's a great landing spot for Derek Jones. And again, the best part about all of it is by moving down, we still got the player we were linked with at number three. We got him all the way down at number eight. Uh, and and or, no, it was it was the sixth pick. We got him all the way down at number six. So three picks later, um, and we got our we got our central center back, you know, our, our guy that is 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 a that is going to be given the opportunity to learn under Tim Parker, a guy that that many believe is already right at the cusp of being MLS ready uh, and, and a guy that that is he, he's a he's a strong center back. Uh, he's a fairly athletic center back and his passing, his distribution in college was superb, especially the long ball. He can drop that long ball wherever he wants on the pitch, um, you know, to a winger or to a forward on on the run uh, while they're moving. And and that ability is something we were missing last year. They were attempting it multiple times. Uh, Minor did a decent job with it uh, you know, every so often, but there were a lot of times those balls just didn't go where they needed to go. 
Um, and so you bring in a, you bring in a, a center back uh, in the draft um, that again, many analysts consider to be the most MLS ready center back uh, in the draft. And you do it by trading down. You don't even have to stay at the same pick that you had. And you bring in a second player in Derek Jones. This, this draft felt a lot more similar to the draft night uh, where we picked up AJD uh, and a couple other players as well in the draft, but we picked up AJD during that draft uh, in a trade. And it, it feels like that. It feels like such a smart move. And there were a ton of analysts that were giving credit to the Dynamo for making the move uh, when they did. Um, and Parts Unknown says Bartlow's ready to start, but I think Minor will get the spot if he comes back. He's back. He's, he's signed. Um, that's, that's done. Uh, I, I think Bartlow will be given the opportunity to compete for that spot in preseason. Uh, and that's important because I think Bartlow... His his age and his athleticism and his passing are going to put the pressure on Minor. There is no doubt in anybody's mind the amount that the Dynamo spent there anticipating and expecting Tim Parker to be that 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 stalwart center back, uh, that Bobby Boswell, if you will, that Eddie Robinson, if you will, that guy that you know is always going to be your your starter no matter what. Uh, and it's going to be a, a competition between Bartlow and Minor, and realistically between Fuenmayor. Uh, to see which of those three, uh, which of those three can handle it, uh, and which of those three are ready to start. Uh, and in my opinion, I think Bartlow can put enough pressure on Minor that Minor, at the very least, Minor is going to get rest this year. He didn't have hardly any rest last year, uh, and I think that's good. I think Minor is going to want that uh, for sure. But um, he wasn't the only player we picked up. Uh, Bartlow was not. Uh, we picked up a guy in the second round. Uh, in um, I could picture him, couldn't tell you what his name is. Uh, Christopher, uh, I can't remember his last name. Uh, Christopher is a, uh, he is on a Generation Adidas contract. Bartlow's a Gen, a Gen Adidas player. Uh, and that's important because he's basically a free player. He costs us nothing. Uh, Generation Adidas Adidas contracts are, are paid for by MLS uh, to get some underclassmen uh, basically into the league. Uh, so, and, and he's a, he was effectively a sophomore. Uh, so it's a player who, uh, is still fairly young age wise, um, which means he's got more miles on those legs left compared to a lot of other players that would come out in the draft. Uh, he's a player that is considered to have enough talent as an underclassman to, to compete in MLS. Uh, and and I just, again, I think that's going to push tab to consider it a possibility. Hey, is this a player that I think could start? And I, you know, tab was not hesitant to put young players in last year, especially in preseason and especially those first few weeks of the season. Um, Christopher Strickler. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, a forward out of Virginia tech, uh, which is interesting, right? Cause his teammate went to Austin FC uh, and that was uh, Pereira, uh, which by the way, shock of the draft, Austin FC did not take Mayaka, who was the projected number one overall pick the player that every, uh, every analyst said was the best player in the draft talent wise and projected to be the best player coming out of this draft in Mayaka. Uh, Mayaka ends up going number three to Colorado, who, by the way, traded up to get Pereira, but they couldn't get him because he was gone because Austin took him number one. Uh, so a lot of intrigue that happened around that the first round of that draft, especially those first few picks. Uh, and then at number 57, we did pick, pick up uh, Brandon Turwidge, uh, defender out of SMU. And it's important that uh, Brandon Christopher and – well, Brandon and Christopher haven't signed deals. Um, the, the benefit with Ethan Bartlow is he's basically already signed a deal with MLS. So he's a, he's a guaranteed player. We don't have to sign a contract with him at this point. He's, he's a dynamo. Um, uh, he is part of the Houston dynamo organization moving forward. 
and, and that's good. It, it really is. And that, again, that's a player that you can count on uh, to at least compete for that center back role. Uh, if nothing else, he's going to put a hell of a lot of pressure on uh, Alejandro Fuenmayor this offseason. Uh, and if Alejandro can't hack it and he's not up to the challenge, then I don't think Alejandro's long for the Dynamo anymore after that. Like, I, I think that by the end of the year, if Alejandro hasn't been starting much, he's not going to be with the Dynamo. Um, and I do think the fact he's still here speaks to at least Tab's belief that he, there's still something more to tap into with uh, Fuenmayor, um, that he believes that Fuenmayor does still have something to offer. Uh, just maybe not quite what they were hoping for when they first signed him. Um, I have talked for a very long time, uh, and my throat is getting dry. My mouth is getting dry. Um, so, Waco, the, the reason you're getting so damn hype about Ethan Bartlow, first of all, there were a lot of people that, again, had him going number three overall in the draft. Uh, we were at that spot. That That's who everybody expected us to go with. Uh, and we were able to trade down and still get him. Uh, and, and we didn't have to go that far to get him. Um, and the reason that everybody's so hyped about Ethan Bartlow, like I said, it comes down to his distribution, man. It is impressive stuff when you watch those highlight videos. The kid's capability to hit that long ball in stride. Uh, he can dribble forward. Um, honestly, he looked a little bit like Kiki in that regards because I thought Kiki did a decent job when he ran forward. Uh, but Ethan Bartlow, man, he's he's the full package when it comes to center back. What we need to see is how he handles MLS level talent and the game speed at the MLS level because it is different. It is a lot faster. Um, but if he can handle it, if he can if he can maintain, if he can be that player that. Um, that's capable of stepping up into that MLS, you know, level pretty quickly, then, you know, we've got our Miles Robinson, essentially, you know, our, our guy that that's going to stick around for five or six years, in my opinion, um, and can easily be a starter for us the entire time. Uh, and even at, even at six years, he's only going to be tw- uh, 26. It's a player who you can sell overseas for a good, you know, a good, good value. Um, look, this is the first time in a very long time in a draft that we've come out of it. And I've been super excited for every pick that we've made. Um, you know, Brandon Terwich for, for, you know, being out of SMU, he looked good, um, you know, at, at SMU. And again, I've said this before, we do have to remember a lot of these players didn't play full seasons. They were playing in the developmental leagues that, you know, in, in amateur leagues because they couldn't sign pro contracts because that would uh, invalidate their NCAA, um, their NCAA uh, availability uh, effectively. Um, but again, super exciting draft, uh, and for a team that, for the last how many seasons, uh, the draft has not been a priority. It's not been a very exciting time. Uh, even though we've had crappy teams, you'd think we'd be higher in the draft. But uh, you know, we were always on that cusp and always at you know eight or nine or ten, and we just couldn't make it happen. This year, I feel like we finally really truly made it happen, and I feel like Tab went in, and, and this was reported. I feel like Tab went in with a game plan. He knew how much he valued uh, Ethan Bartlow. He had an idea of what his value on the market would be. He had an idea of what the value of other players in those in those picks would be. He he knew what he wanted, and he knew about when he could get it without having to overpay for it. And he was able to get money in return to do it. Um, and then to have to be able to turn around in the same draft, get the exact amount of money you need to trade for a player that you also want. 
I mean, just it was a brilliant move. It was a brilliant combination of moves. And uh, yeah, some parts unknown says some experts gave the Dynamo an A in the draft grades. I haven't seen an A for the Dynamo in the draft in probably a decade, it feels like. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had an A. And here we are. We were basically one of the top five teams in the draft in terms of how the draft went based on a lot of experts' uh, opinions. Um, uh, you know, Pat says, yeah, we discussed that in the Discord, talking about the Surge Discord when it happened. Having a coach that knows the MLS intricacies, that's actually spelled correctly. Good job, Pat. Uh, intricacies uh, is a huge thing. Look, Tab, Tab uh, has learned that because he didn't know that coming in. He learned it from Pablo Mastroeni last year. He learned it from working with Matt Jordan. As much as everybody gives him lack of credit, he learned it from Matt Jordan. Um, he, he, he's done a very good job adapting to MLS at this point, and here's to hoping he continues that trend because there's still some things I think he can do better, and he did learn because he's gone on the record. He Look, Tab's been the most transparent coach we've had since Dom. Totally real. He's, he's been the most transparent coach we've had since Dom. And Tab's come in, and he's been very clear. He said, look, we weren't good enough on the on the counter uh, in terms of defending. We got caught out a lot of times. I want more athletic guys. If we're going to be pushing up, I need guys that can cover back. Uh, and, it, and, you know, there were times that maybe we should have sat back, and I'm evaluating that and figuring out when that needs to happen from an MLS standpoint. We weren't good enough, but I think that we have pieces to be good enough. And, look, they've gone out and they've improved the team. They've figured out how to make it better. And I think the Dynamo are poised. Look, I'm not saying that they're MLS championship caliber right now, but you don't have to be to start the season. You don't have to be an MLS Cup contender to start the season. What you have to be is good enough to string wins together every so often. You have to be a team that's competing every match regardless of the competition put before you. You have to be a team that has the talent across the board to sustain over a long period of time, especially if the season has a, any length of a work stoppage because they're going to try to still fit in those games once the, once the stoppage is over. And it may only be a month, but that's a month worth, worth of four, five, six matches that they're going to miss out on. If they end up having a work stoppage, that's six additional matches that have to be filled in in an already condensed season, a season that's going to be one month shorter than last uh, than two years ago. So you're already condensing the season down. There's going to be a ton of midweek matches, guaranteed. And you're going to need players that are able to, to cycle in and cycle out and not lose a step. And I think Tab is doing a fantastic job with, again, Matt Jordan by his side, making the right moves, picking the right players. Now, look, I said this last year because we did a good job bringing in Zahibo in the middle of the season. We brought in some other players that I thought would have more of an impact than they did. Uh Look, there's every chance that Derek Jones is a total bust. There's every chance that Ethan Bartlow isn't what we hope he's going to be. There's every chance that Fafo Pico is Fafo Pico is is over over the you know over his prime and he's done. There's every chance that Maximiliano Arudi is not the same player he was. There's every chance that Tim Parker is not going to be the same player he was. But you don't make that many moves without at least hitting on one or two of them. And if we hit on one or two of those moves, and God willing, at least one of them will be Tim Parker, then I'm fine. This team is going to be an absolute, you know, really good position. The real question I have, and other people have asked this question, is where is the attack coming from? Who's scoring your goals? Right now, Maximilio Rudy is not your, not Maxi Rudy is not your guy scoring your goals, at least not as a starter. He might start. I don't, I don't project him starting. Christian Ramirez, we saw it last season. Look, he's got all the talent. He's got the capability. But he's not going to be the guy that's going to drop those balls in the back of the net. He's just not. He didn't do it last season. He's not going to do it this season. And I love Christian. I think he's amazing. 
But it, it again, it, it, it just points out the number one issue we have is who is scoring the goals. Can Ariel Lasseter find that form that he had with uh, with Elise with a little bit more time with Quintero and with um, with other players out wide, Fafa Pico maybe? Uh, again, player, there's plenty of options, but is there your one true guy that can take over a game when it counts, take over a match when it counts? Um, you know, do we have a guy that can step up for a free kick besides Quintero? Uh, do we have a guy that can, you know, be a, a bully in the box? Maxi can do that. Rudy can do that if given the chance, if in the right position, in the right system. Um, look, we've got pieces, and now we need to see Tab arrange those pieces in a way that forms the full puzzle, that connects the dots, connects the puzzle, uh, and turns it into the full picture that, that he's kind of shared that he wants to see. And there's no doubt that he understands how to make an attack work and how to be, how to be very high intensity. Now we just need to see if the players can step up and maintain it for a full season. If they can, look, this team's going to be very, very good. If they can't, and we start to see those same struggles where the team just gets really exhausted midway through the season, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Uh, so Parts Unknown says, I believe they could be a, ni- a seventh to ninth seed in the playoffs. I, I think they could go as high as fifth. Um, I think there's opportunities there. Uh, look, teams are going to have injuries. Teams are going to lose a star player here or there. The Dynamo absolutely could be one of those teams because they're not relying on any one player except for Quintero. They're not relying on any one player. I think they absolutely can be one of those teams that that survive the season better than others. Um, and yeah, it's the top uh, top 10 last year from the East and the top eight from the West, if I remember correctly, um, that made the, made the playoffs. Uh, but... Uh, so uh, Pat also said, uh, yeah, that was a huge unknown and why I was scared by his signings, knowing Tam, Gam, Draft, Discovery Rights, et cetera, uh, referring to Tab and the MLS intricacies coming in. Uh, and then to Pat's point, as I've said, you know, he and Tab ended up getting the player he wanted while still selling off his draft spot. I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, Harry says, for me, I'm looking to see how the Texas MLS teams play. Frisco, Austin, and Houston will be interesting to see how that plays out as a non-fan of all of them. Uh, what's up, George? Thanks for joining six minutes before my, the end of my show. I say my, cause Mark's not here this week. Cause he bailed on me like a jerk. Just kidding. Uh, Cascadia of the South. I mean, yeah, it's the Texas triangle, right? Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to call it. There's going to have to be some kind of rivalry competition every year. It's going to be something. Uh, and how about Austin? You know, uh, they made a good move in, in trading, uh, not trading, but in picking a different player than Mayaka. I really believe Pereira was the better talent out of those two. Uh, and I think he fits their system better. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, no, it's, it, it has nothing to do with that. It's just cause Mark's not here this week. Although he's still technically in chat. He's hanging out. He knows, uh, and to Kenny's point. Yeah, no cannon for Austin. There's definitely El Capitan is a, Frisco Houston rivalry thing only. Uh, the slow cooked brisket derby. Uh, why are you making me hungry, Pat? I don't appreciate that. Uh, at eight thirty uh, on a Wednesday night. Um, any last thoughts, guys? Before we uh, we call the show, uh, it's been a good show. I'm glad you guys have been as active as you have. I appreciate that for sure. I haven't had a chance to tweet out the link to the show, so if you guys could do me a favor, uh, we hope to get the audio. Uh, up on Anchor in the next couple of days. I hope to be able to edit it quicker this time. That was absolutely my fault last week. I uh, hope to get it up there tomorrow. 
Uh, if it does go up, do me a favor, share that link when it goes out on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I know every one of you do already, but just in case, at Gen Orange Radio on Twitter. Uh, and if you can, uh, follow us on Anchor. It's anchor.fm slash Gen Orange. Uh, and uh, there's a follow option. There's a bookmark option. You can bookmark it like a regular website. Uh, and then, of course, we're on Spotify with the audio-only podcast as well. Um, and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. So if you have an Apple phone, an iPhone, you can uh, you can look us up on Apple uh, Music or iTunes, whatever it is on the iTunes. Uh, and if you're on an Android device, you can look us up on the uh, Google Play Podcasts, I think is what it is, or Google Podcasts. Uh, and we'll be there. Generation Orange. We're the ones. We're the ones that has the. We're the ones with the uh, black background logo and neon sign. Uh, neon sign look to our logo. That says Generation Orange Media for those that can't read it because it's kind of small in the the uh, icon size there. Uh, but uh, before we close, uh, there was one last thing I wanted to do this week, and, and uh, really honestly is the main reason I popped a, a beer uh, this week. Uh, this goes out to Russell. Uh, rest in peace, my friend. Uh, he was a member of uh, Texan Army, uh, long-standing member for a few years. Uh, he unfortunately uh, passed away uh, over the weekend. I believe on Monday, maybe uh, one of the two. Uh, and uh, he was a good guy and just wanted to give him a moment, a moment, so to speak. Uh, I just let him know that, uh, you know, that we're all thinking of him and his family. Um, and uh, it's never easy to lose someone. And he was someone that a lot of people in Texan Army were close with. Uh, he left an indelible mark uh, and it was non-COVID related for anybody wondering. Uh, but yeah, Russell, uh, Russell, Russell was a good guy and, uh, and, uh, sad to see it. He was, he was, he was a young kid. So, uh, about my age really, uh, and, uh, unexpected, totally not expected. Uh, but, uh, rest in peace, my friend. Uh, this one's for you. <laughs> 